What up, son? It's the tail of the tapes. The fuck life. Saying. I tail of the tapes, season two, episode number fifty-four. So first and foremost, on today's podcast, I'd like to wish everybody a happy 420. I actually just clipped my joint, and I can care less whether you're a smoker or not. I'm still wishing you a happy 420. So cannabis and hemp have saved my life in more ways than one, which I won't get too, too into on here, but I am one of the best CBD oil suppliers in the nation with a 60-day empty bottle money-back guarantee, so you got nothing to lose and everything to gain if you struggle with anything, and I literally mean that, anything, digestive problems, mental health, whatever the hell. I beg you to please give this stuff a try. I really believe it will change your life, and if it doesn't, you just send it back and get your money back, right? For anyone who's interested, you can simply go to amandafirmino.com, A-M-A-N-D-A-F-O-R-M-I-N-I-O.com. On there, you'll see a bunch of different links. Feel free to browse around. If you're looking directly for CBD oil, just click on the Shop CBD and Pain Relief link. And like I said, you guys are probably going to have to get used to hearing some commercials soon. You know, nobody really hits that support button, so... Going to have to create my own support now if I don't see any by the end of the season. But anyway, enough for the commercials today. Let's move on to the artist that we'll be covering in today's episode, which is Killer Priest and Capadonna. So oddly enough, both of these artists are Wu-Tang affiliates and just so happen to coincidentally be covered on the same episode. So more Wu-Tang stuff here today. Now, for the record... Capadonna is an official Wu-Tang member, whereas Killer Priest is not. However, Capadonna was not an original Nine member. Now, there's some details that need to be disclosed about that particular statement I just made, and we will get more into that. But that being said, really quickly, let me give you guys some thoughts and opinions on Priest and Capadonna. So... Killer Priest, I really pretty much knew nothing of other than whatever Wu-Tang songs I had heard him on, you know, whatever he was featured on. Now, there's 10 official Wu-Tang members and about 300 affiliated artists and groups, so excuse me for what I'm about to say, but we've established in earlier episodes I was never a giant Wu-Tang fan like most of the rest of Staten Island was. The reason I say this is because I think there were times when I didn't know the real difference between Killer Priest and Master Killer. Now, that's not to say that they sound alike or that their styles are similar or anything like that. But again, not being a huge Wu-Tang fan, having them have so many affiliates, I personally never dove deeper into most of the tail end guys. So I'm not talking about being confused about who was who on songs or anything like that. I'm talking about just when I hear the name, the face and the voice and stuff that I picture, I couldn't really tell you who was who between those two guys off the top of my head. Obviously, on certain songs, I knew who was who because it was listed who was featured and shit like that. So, I hope you guys understand what I'm saying. But again, you're talking about... 11 year old 12 year old kid here that wasn't a giant Wu-Tang fan so 
Once I weeded out who was who between Priest and Master Killer, I realized I knew almost nothing of Priest. So, I can't say I had any expectations whatsoever for him going into this study. However, my boy Pete Man, who's a huge Wu-Tang fan, has been praising Killer Priest to me almost since I started this study. Every couple of months he'd ask me, like, yo, what are you up to yet? Are you near Killer Priest? Um, you know, he was just pumped for me to listen to him, especially probably since when he brought him up to me, I really knew nothing of him. So, you know, Pete man was kind of like, bro, what the fuck you mean? You you got you got to listen to Killer Priest. I kept telling him, like, be patient. I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. Um, I'm not going to lie. I didn't expect much of him as I didn't with most other Wu-Tang members and affiliates. But I've been wrong about like 100% of them so far. So I have to say at this point, it wouldn't be a shock if I was wrong about another one, but again, that was just a gut feeling. I had never really I had never really heard Priest before to have any real expectation of him in this study. Capadonna, I can pretty much say the exact same stuff about. I knew very little of him, just what he had been on, you know, with Wu Tang on what a whatever material that he was on with them. I never heard any of his solo material, never owned any of his albums or anything like that. Um, again, I didn't have much of an expectation of him seeing as I didn't know too much of him, but it was basically the same as any other Wu-Tang member, you know, just figured he was probably overrated. Although I can't say I've heard too many people boast about Capadonna specifically to me. So, you know, to say that he's overrated is kind of like an odd dynamic to me. Cause I, I never really heard people be like, yo, Capadonna, but you know, just what comes with the Wu-Tang name in general, everybody kind of deems, you know, pretty much everybody in Wu-Tang to be pretty dope and Capadonna. An official Wu-Tang member, and I've heard people talk about him. It's not like he's unknown. I've heard people bring Capadonna up. I just never really heard anybody go crazy about Capadonna the way that they do about, you know, Method Man or Ghostface or shit like that. Or, you know, maybe some other things that I didn't really personally agree with before starting this study. But like I said, both of these artists with their debut albums out in 1998... But Killer Priest was out first, so we're going to start off with him. His birth name is Walter Reed, also known as Priest, an Iron Sheik from the Middle East. Born August 16, 1970. His origins listed as Brooklyn, New York, United States. His genres are listed as hip-hop and alternative hip-hop. And his years active are listed as 1993 to present. So, nothing out of the ordinary there, really, but I do want you guys to pay attention to that that subgenre that he has listed there of alternative hip hop because alternative or abstract or whatever would definitely be a great word to describe Killer Priest. So let's move right into some background info on Killer Priest here and see if we could learn something. Walter Reed, born August 16, 1970, better known by his stage name Killer Priest, is an American rapper, member of Sons of Man, and Wu Tang Clan affiliate who was raised in Bedford Stuyvesant and Brownsville, Brooklyn. He is known for his intensely spiritual lyrics containing religious references and metaphors. He is connected to the black Hebrew Israelites through his rhymes and is known for his controversial and political subject matter. He is also a part of supergroup The Horsemen along with Cannabis, Razkaz, and Corrupt. So a couple of things here. We see that it speaks on his intensely spiritual lyrics with religious references and metaphors. No, Killer Priest is not a Christian rapper or anything of the sort, 
but he does make some crazy spiritual type songs that are not necessarily promoting any one religion, but like shedding light on many of them. And for those that are not aware, the black Hebrew Israelites are essentially groups of African Americans who believe that they are descendants of the ancient Israelites. So pretty crazy and interesting stuff there. We also see that he's in a group, the Horsemen, with Cannabis, Corrupt, and Razkaz, the latter of who we recently covered on this podcast. So pretty cool stuff there as well, as we'll now have 50% of that group done by the end of this episode, and there are definitely some heavy bar spitters in that group. So I'll be curious to see what order they finish in, but we'll have to be patient for that. For now, let's read my breakdown of Killer Priest. While I don't personally ever hear Killer Priest's name brought up much, he was highly touted by a close friend of mine for years leading into this study. I have to admit, Priest was nowhere near being on my radar. I have been forced to eat my words yet again with another Wu-Tang affiliate. While Priest did have some deep, strong points, he tended to lose his flow a bit on songs. On his third album, he stepped his lyrical game up and showed the ability to go absolutely ballistic on some songs. That being said, he was quite inconsistent from verse to verse and even bar to bar. He had a lapse towards the middle where he became so abstract that the technical aspects of his game suffered, but he did still have his fair share of dope lines. Then there were times, especially later on, where he was mind-blowing with multi-syllabic rhymes and different crazy rhyme schemes and patterns, but verses were sometimes littered with run-on bars, shortcuts, or times he didn't run. All things considered, the good definitely outweighed the bad and he finished as a good lyricist overall. Killer Priest has a very large catalog consisting of 19 qualified albums, 14 solo albums, 2 albums and an EP with The Horseman, 1 with Black Market Militia, and 1 with Netherlands producer Jordan Riverbanks. 5 of those albums were classics, another 2 were borderline classics, 5 more were great, and the remaining seven were good albums. Certainly extremely solid numbers to say the least. Of his 278 songs, 114 of them were good, another 39 were great, and possibly even more impressively, not a single one was weak. That means over 50% of his songs were either good or great. Killer Priest is one of those artists who has an underground following, and if you are a hardcore hip-hop fan, especially more underground type stuff, you would say Priest is a legend. But the fact of the matter is, he isn't very well known to everyone, even inside the hip-hop community, let alone out of it. He also had almost no mainstream success whatsoever, even though he was associated with one of the biggest hip-hop groups of all time in Wu-Tang, and had no real clear visible impacts on any other artist thus far. Although his rhyme style was reminiscent of the late MF Doom, Killer Priest's message, content, and overall sound for the most part were very abstract and unique. He did borrow some stuff from other artists, particularly Nas and Tupac, but compared to the size of his body of work and all things considered, Priest was still an extremely original artist. So, it officially looks like I may take another L here, and although I didn't know much of Priest, I also didn't expect much. So... Let's check out the numbers and see how wrong I was. Lyrics, he gets a 7, and, you know, like I said, man, flat out, Killer Priest is a good lyricist, bro. There's just no way around that. Now, to me, this 7 is a bit interesting, and I, I want to talk about this for a second, because when I spoke about 
kill a priest lyrical ability, right? I spoke about so many different things. I spoke about how he was a bit inconsistent. He definitely showed the ability to go absolutely ballistic on some verses of some songs. He had some deep, strong points, but he also lost his flow a bit on songs. Some some of his stuff was littered with run-on bars and shortcuts and times that he didn't rhyme and stuff like that. And then I spoke about how later on he was just absolutely mind-blowing with the multi-syllabic rhymes and the crazy rhyme schemes and patterns and just all these things that he was able to do, these crazy stories and vivid pictures that he was able to paint. And he did these things in such an abstract, poetic, spiritual kind of way as mentioned in his background. But the reason that I find all of this so interesting and the reason that I want to make sure that I touch on this for a second is... And I'm going to go out and say this. Kill a Priest could be one of the greatest lyricists of all time. Now, with that score of seven, he's probably going to wind up being somewhere around the top 25 lyricists anyway, I would assume. Um, I definitely don't know that for sure, so don't quote me. And like I spoke about on last week's episode... You're talking about 450 guys, give or take, that qualified for this study and thousands more that are not included in this for whatever reason, whether I never heard of them, whether they didn't make the cut, whether they were left out due to lack of info, didn't write their rhymes, or from other countries. I mean, there's so many things that you really have to think about and take into consideration here. So when I say that he could be one of the greatest lyricists of all time, I'm not talking about a seven. I'm talking about shit like a nine. Now, the reason I'm saying this is because with Killer Priest's abstract style that he had and some of the things that he did, it was very clear and very obvious. Not that I'm saying that anybody is concerned with my study because most people didn't even know about it, but most people are concerned with certain technical aspects of their music, right? It became clear at certain points in Priest's career that he was doing what he wanted to do, and he was purposefully doing something super different, super abstract, and he was unconcerned with the technicalities of how poetry is quote-unquote supposed to be, let's say. Priest has verses that I think rival the best of the lyricists out there, to where you could say, this verse is completely out of control to the point that I can't say that it's not up there with some of the greatest lyricists of all time. And I'm talking like top five guys. He was able to have all these run-on bars, have all these shortcuts, have times he didn't rhyme, go so abstract that it was taking away from the technical aspects of the points he was getting in his lyrical score, right? And he still gets a seven. So there's other guys who really weren't losing anything. You know, it was just kind of a steady climb to a 7. Now, I'm not trying to knock this score of a 7. That's a good score. 7 out of 10 is a good score. And I don't have that many people at a 7 or higher, just to be clear. We're through almost 200 people here, and there's not that many people that have gotten up there. So, a good score there. But again, my point is, he got to that good score while carrying around a whole bunch of technical mishaps and inconsistencies. I don't say that to shit on Priest, because I think that a lot of it was by design, and he just wanted to be different and abstract. Now, taking that into consideration, yes, I do still have to score it for what it is. 
but I also can recognize what he's capable of. So I think had he been more concerned with technicalities like that and been a little less abstract, yeah, his originality score probably would have taken a hit a little bit, but his lyric score would have gone up a bit. So the point that I'm trying to make is not that I altered Priest's overall score because it would have ultimately wound up being the same score. You're just trading one thing for the other. I'm just trying to make a point that this score of seven, as good as it is, is still deceptive because Killer Priest is very capable of spitting verses that are well above a seven out of ten is the point that I'm trying to make. So very impressive stuff there from Killer Priest lyrically. It was definitely not on my radar. I was not expecting him to get that high lyrically. Albums he gets a five point eight five with five classics. So again, you have 19 total albums. So that's a lot of albums. You got group albums, collaboration albums, things like that. All this different stuff in there. You got all these super abstract spiritual things that I'm telling you where it's like, yeah, he did great, but he took a little bit of a hit for being so ridiculously abstract and not really following any poetical pattern type things, right? Still, after 19 albums, group albums, collaboration albums, abstract things, all this stuff, he still gets a great score of 5.85, and he still registers five classic albums. And out of 19 albums, not even a single average album. Forget about a weak one. So where I pointed out that Killer Priest was inconsistent sometimes from bar to bar where he'd do something really amazing and then kind of go off the deep end it wasn't because of a lack of skill it was just by choice and at the same token he was consistent when it came to albums and stuff like that so really solid scores here and never scored never registered anything below a good album out of 19 albums so again impressive stuff there across the board in the album department there for killer priest Songs he gets a plus 1.4. Again, I you know I say it every week and every episode. Plus or minus a full point in this category is is pretty big. So almost a full point and a half there for Killer Priest. Like I said, 278 songs, 19 albums. That's a big catalog. 39 great songs, no weak songs. So you know that comes out to a 14%, which gives him plus 1.4 in the songs department there. So. Great stuff here from Priest so far for sure. Impact, he gets a four and a half. And, you know, that comes from a couple of things. We have to keep a lot of things in mind here. We have to keep in mind that there really is nothing there commercially for Killer Priest. We have to keep in mind that, yes, he is a Wu-Tang affiliate. But even being a Wu-Tang affiliate doesn't have a tremendous amount of popularity. But again, that being a Wu-Tang affiliate goes both ways, right? So, you can point a finger and say... You're affiliated with Wu-Tang and you still never sold a lot of records. I mean, come on, bro, right? But you also can just leave your sentence at this. You're affiliated with Wu-Tang. I'm not affiliated with Wu-Tang. I know plenty of good rappers that aren't affiliated with anybody that would love to be affiliated with somebody of that caliber. So again, Killer Priest is affiliated with Wu-Tang for a reason. So he has to be given credit for that in some way, shape, or form. But I think when you keep all things in mind here and take everything into, into consideration, we get a just below average score of 4.5 for impact there with Killer Priest. And like I spoke about, there were no names either you know, of people that he directly musically influenced and stuff like that. So I think the 4.5 warranted. 
Um, it, it really, it's it's close to a four, but I think that the big body of work and being affiliated with Wu-Tang and stuff like that, I think keeps him closer to that four and a half. Originality, he gets a nine. Like I spoke about, I find myself having a hard time putting it any other way than just saying Kill a Priest is different. Honestly, I'm telling you, if when I say this to you and you hear me saying this and you say, Kill a Priest is different, what do you mean? What do you mean he's different? I could sit here and explain to you all I want. I don't know, man, like his his sound, you know, the things that he raps about, just the way that he raps, the style that he raps, like some of his songs don't even have drums in them and stuff like that. It's really hard to explain. But if I were to go throw on, you know, one of his albums, let's say Rocket to Nebula or something like that and press play, you would get mentally lost. Like you wouldn't even realize at some point that you're listening to a hip hop album. Now, yes, he's rapping on it. Yes, if you look up the information about the album, it is considered a hip hop album and stuff like that. But I'm telling you, it's so weird and different and abstract and it's not the only album that he did like that it's just the one that stuck out in my head um but you know priest had a lot of things like this priest had a lot of these albums or a lot of these songs where it was like you know maybe in the future somebody copies it and does something like that right but i'm talking about in this time period that i'm in of 1998 and these people that i'm listening to I'm never going to hear anybody do anything like this ever again. Trust me. So, not a 10 there for Priest. Because there are other aspects about him that I don't want to say they're unoriginal. Because I genuinely believe that Kill the Priest is just out there being himself. But I just mean, you know, certain ways that you could look at maybe some of his image or some of these type of things as being a little bit more typical than some of the other artists that we have covered on the show before. So again, incredible stuff there for originality with Killer Priest, mostly carried by just his abstract sound and style and the way that he rhymed and the way that he went about creating his music and the things that he was talking about and stuff like that. That all basically was just so unique and so original that that itself just carried him up to a nine. So you add all those six numbers up, which we've been doing a lot of lately, you know, it's usually you add the five numbers up because there's five categories, but in this case, we have five classic albums from Killer Priest. So you add the lyric score, the album score, the classic albums, the song score, the impact score, and the originality, add all those six numbers up, divide by five, and it gives you a final rating of 6.55, which puts Killer Priest in 11th place of 189 artists done overall. Wow. So, a personally unexpected, extremely impressive finish here from Killer Priest, landing just outside of our top 10 so far. So, really incredible stuff here. And I have to admit, I completely 100% slept on Killer Priest. And although there were definitely some albums he had that were not my cup of tea. He really did have some incredibly amazing, abstract, and uniquely poetic stuff, probably unlike anyone we've covered so far in this study. So definitely major shout-outs to Killer Priest for a very strong finish here. And I got to give my man Pete Man a shout-out as well for calling this one. Very, very impressive stuff here from the both of you guys. So got to give credit where it's due. Now, moving on to Capadonna, who also had his debut solo album out in 1998. His birth name is Daryl Hill, also known as Cappuccino. 
Born September 18, 1968. His origins listed as New York City, New York, United States. His genres are listed as hip-hop. And his years active are listed as 1995 to present. So similar to Priest here in that nothing too out of the ordinary. So let's get right into Capadonna's background and see how that reads. Daryl Hill, better known by his stage name Capadonna, is an American rapper. He is a member of the hip-hop collective The Wu-Tang Clan and is a member of the rap group Theodore Unit together with Ghostface Killer. He was known to the future members of The Wu-Tang Clan and had been you God's mentor. However, Capadonna went to prison and was replaced in the group by Method Man. So, I did have to dig a little bit deeper to find that second piece of information there on Capadonna, but I definitely did think that it was interesting and relevant enough stuff to put in there. I was not aware prior to this study that Capadonna was an original Wu-Tang member who was sent to prison and then replaced by Method Man as an original nine member of the group. So, absolutely insane stuff there, man. Can you imagine if he would have never went to jail and there was no Method Man or, you know, that he was never in Wu-Tang? Hard to even imagine it playing out any other way than it did, but it was just that close to actually happening, but... Let's move along and read up on what I had to say about Capadonna while listening to him. Capadonna was a bit underwhelming for a lack of a better term. Early on, he took a lot of shortcuts and just didn't rhyme sometimes. He also used a decent amount of run-on bars and seemed to ramble a bit about nothing at times. He did use a large amount of complicated words, but most of the time wasn't able to rhyme more than one syllable in those words. On top of that, most bars were random and not related to each other, and he had a decent amount of weak lines. He also lost his flow at times and seemed to struggle a bit with hooks. He was inconsistent lyrically as later on he got better with syllables, but it was still overshadowed by other technical problems. Although he didn't have many overly topical songs, he was good at being able to keep a topic when he did. One thing that was super odd to me was how many times he claimed to be a lyricist and spit acapella verses considering he was definitely not one of the Wu's stronger lyricists. He seemed to be a bit lazy lyrically, but still managed to finish average overall. I was completely unaware of just how much material Capadonna had. 18 albums in total between himself and the group. One of those was a borderline classic, but that was with Wu-Tang, not Solo. Another 10 were good albums, and the remaining 7 were average. Of his 192 total qualified songs, one was great, again, another Wu-Tang song. Another 23 were good, but 10 of them were also weak. Even with these numbers, it does need to be noted that a fair amount of these song scores were carried by features relatively often. When it comes to Capadonna's impact on the hip-hop game, like his lyricism, it is very give-and-take. On one hand, we have a member of one of the biggest, most impactful groups in hip-hop history. On the other hand, we have an artist that despite that was never able to garner the success, fame, or attention that most of the other members of the group were. On top of that, he only had clear influences on Ghostface Killer, another Wu-Tang member. When it came to originality, we're faced with the same dilemma. On one hand, he has the classically original Wu-Tang sound and style, which obviously will carry you to a certain extent. On the other hand, he never really seemed to be able to bring his own flavor or separate himself from the pack in any way. There was no real overly distinct voice or delivery, rhyme style, song concepts, or messages for the most part. So now, not to shit on Capadonna, but that breakdown of Capadonna 
is more so what I expected from a little bit more of the Wu-Tang members that we've already covered that, like I said, I, I've already admitted defeat. I was dead wrong about a lot of Wu-Tang members and a lot of Wu-Tang affiliates. Killer Priest on this episode definitely being one of those guys included in that category. But when you listen to that that breakdown of Capadonna, that is kind of more so what I expected to get from some of the other guys. Maybe like Ghostface or Raekwon. Again, they proved me wrong and they finished very well. But this sounds like more of what I expected from some Wu-Tang members. So now let's see what the math of that breakdown looks like for Capadonna. Lyrics, he gets a five. And, you know, he was close to getting a four and a half because... The bad did outweigh the good slightly for Capadonna, but it wasn't enough for me to really pull him down to a four and a half. You know, he just had, he would say complicated words, but he would only rhyme one syllable in it. He had trouble rhyming the whole word. A lot of his bars were random and not related to each other in any way. He had weak lines, lost his flow at times, seemed to struggle with hooks. He was inconsistent lyrically. Did get better later on with syllables, but again, even as he got better, there were still other technical problems. He was able to keep a topic good, not that he had many overly topical songs, but when he did, he was able to keep a topic good, but I don't know, man. The whole dynamic of Capadonna was kind of odd for me. It was like he spit with this aggression that he was super dope, and he would say all these things about being a lyricist and... He would spit acapella verses and stuff like that. And I'm like, your verse is littered with technical mishaps. And even sometimes, you know, look at Killer Priest, right? Where I told you Killer Priest had a lot of technical mishaps in certain areas. But he fucking slammed the shit out of those with better other things that dope lines, crazy amount of syllables rhymed, ridiculous with the rhyme schemes. Like He just did so many other things that anytime he had technical mishaps... They were heavily overshadowed by the other goods he was doing. It was kind of the exact opposite for Capadonna, where it was like, all right, you know, most of the verse was whatever, but then you had these two run-on bars, this shortcut, and this sketchy borderline fucking bar that you just said. But you spit it in a fashion where, like, you think it's the greatest verse ever. So I don't know, man. It was it was a very odd dynamic there. And again, this is not to say that Capadonna was bad. He's getting a five here lyrically. That's an average score. So I'm not trying to shit on Capadonna, but just the dynamic of who he seemed to think he was lyrically was a little bit strange to me, especially considering the group that he's in. Now, I just spoke about how this is more of what I expected from some of the other members, but the fact of the matter is that this isn't what we got from a lot of them. We got more than one member that finished with a seven or higher lyrically whether it's directly in the group or an affiliate. So to be from a group that has bar spitters in it and to act like you're one of the better ones in the group when in reality, I think aside from ODB, Capadonna has actually been the worst lyricist that we've covered so far out of any Wu-Tang member or affiliate. Now, that speaks volumes for Wu-Tang. To say that we went through whatever it is, six, seven people, you know, whether if you include Priest being a, an affiliate and, you know, things like that. We've gone through between five and ten people and the second worst scoring lyricist was average. That says a lot about the group. But again, we're talking about Capadonna particularly, specifically and individually here. So, 
I don't know, man. It's just an average lyricist there, so I don't really know what he was getting at. But Albums, he gets a 3.83 with zero classics, like we spoke about. A lot more material than I thought he had. 18 albums. I, I, I was expecting, you know, Capadonna to be in Wu-Tang for one or two of their later albums and then have, you know, three albums of his own or something like that. So I certainly was not expecting 18 albums from Capadonna. Like I said, he did have the Borderline Classic, but that was with Wu-Tang. 10 out of the remaining 17 good and the other 7 average. So, you know, decent stuff there with the majority of his albums being good and no weak albums or anything like that. And he does have the Borderline Classic with the group, but we can see a clear separation between him and the group for sure. A Borderline Classic with the group and then the best thing that you were able to garner solo was a good album and you put out seven average albums. So we can definitely see that not really technically up to par with most of the rest of the group, at least so far. Songs, he gets a minus 0.45, which, again, it's not a huge number. He's almost losing a half a point here. It's Is it significant? Eh, it's getting there. But what I like to point out is why fucking lose points where you could be gaining them? You know, you could be a plus 0.45. Now you're talking about a swing of almost a full point here. So when you look at it that way, yeah, it does start to become significant. 192 total qualified songs, one great song, which wasn't by himself, it was a Wu-Tang song, and then 10 weak songs. So this is an example here of somebody benefiting from being in a big, influential, successful group, but really putting out a, a lot more weak shit than great shit. So it's like when you look at each extreme end of the spectrum, Capadonna spends a lot more time at the bottom than he does at the top. So again, I'm not trying to shit on him, but I got to point out what certain people are doing and why they're getting the scores that they're getting. Impact, he gets a four and a half, and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to say the exact same thing for Capadonna that I said for Killer Priest. They both got impact scores of four and a half, both for the exact same reasons. You're affiliated with one of the biggest, most well-known, commercially successful respected, influential hip-hop groups of all time. And not only are you seemingly one of the weakest members, but you were never able to garner the attention or success that most of the other members were able to. And again, almost nobody there when it comes to artist influence. Just Ghostface Killer. He's in Wu-Tang. Obviously, with 9, 10 members in a group, they take things from each other sporadically, so no major surprise there that he was able to influence one of the other Wu-Tang members. But outside of Wu-Tang, no clear visible impacts on anybody thus far. And like I said, I don't really hear people bring up Capadonna to me and shit like that. I mean, I've heard his name spoken of, but it's not somebody that gets brought up in a certain light where it's like, yo, you gotta go hear Capadonna. Like, I've heard people say they like him, but I've never really heard anybody get, you know, overboard about Capadonna being good, so originality he gets a six and like I said this was a bit of give and take because you know of course with, with Capadonna being a Wu-Tang member he has that original Wu-Tang sound and style and even just being a, a member of Wu-Tang the whole group was so original that unless you go off on your own and a hundred percent sell your soul and completely change your style and just do a total 180 and you know just start copying trends and stuff 
It would be very hard for any Wu-Tang members to get a below average score in originality just based on the fact of the group that they were in. So you would really have to do a lot to tear that down. Now, Capadonna didn't do anything to tear it down, but he also didn't do anything to add to it. So it's like, yeah, you got this classic and original Wu-Tang sound, but Wu-Tang came out in 1993. Capadonna didn't come out till 1998. So, again, I don't mean to be a dick here, but by the time Capadonna came out with that sound, that sound was five years old at that point. Method Man, ODB, Raekwon, Ghostface, all these people were able to take that sound and that style and run with it and take it in their fucking hands and run down their own lane with it. Capadonna was not able to do that. He just had that Wu-Tang sound, and that was really where it ended. So I did think that that alone was enough to keep him at a 6 for originality, basically based on the fact that he didn't do anything to lower it. Had he done things personally that were unoriginal or whatever, then yeah, maybe it goes down to a 5.5 or a 5 or whatever, but... He kind of just, you know, did his thing and just had the Wu-Tang sound and never really took it any further or any further back. So now you add all those five numbers up and you divide by five and that gives you a final rating of 3.78, which leaves Capadonna in 155th place of 189 artists done overall. So definitely not a strong finish there from Capadonna, but we have a classic case here of this bottom 20% where for the most part scores are either average or right above or right below. And again, at this point in the study, we know where that lands you. I do want to just point something out here as well. So I spoke many times about how I wasn't a huge Wu-Tang fan the way the rest of most of Staten Island was. I spoke about how I thought most of the group's members were overrated and would not finish as high as most people expected. I also was forced to eat those words through the first five members, even on one of my personal favorites, which was ODB. Now, Capadonna isn't officially an original nine member, but he is a member, not just an affiliate. I also didn't have much of an opinion on Capadonna specifically, but generally had the same opinion about him that I did about most of the other Wu-Tang members. This is officially the first time that I was not wrong, and if I'm going to point out every time that I'm wrong, I'm going to have to point out when I'm right. <laughs> so, I'm not sure how much this one counts, as like I said, he's not an original nine member, but more of the finish here that I expected for Capadonna than I've had with any other Wu-Tang or affiliate member so far. So I'm going to soak that in right now. Ooh. So with all of that out of the way, let's now get into our list, starting with our top 10% overall. So in our top spot, we have Eminem, who's in first place of 189 artists done overall. Directly behind him in second place, we have Jay-Z. Couple of spots back from Jay is Vinny Paz of Jedi Mind Tricks, who's in fourth. Directly behind him in fifth is AZ. Directly behind AZ is Big L, who's in sixth. Directly behind him in seventh is Nas. And directly behind Nas is Method Man, who's in eighth. Couple slots back from Meth in tenth is Black Thought of the Roots. Directly behind Thought is Killer Priest, who's in eleventh. Directly behind Priest, we have a three-way tie for 12th place between Tupac, Biggie, and Jadakiss. 
Behind them, we have Pharaoh Manch and Jusala of Jedi Mind Tricks tied for 16th place. Behind them in 19th is KRS-One. Behind KRS is Rock of Helta Skelta, who's in 20th. And directly behind him is Proof, who's in 21st place of 189 artists done overall. So this list has been changing quite a bit often from initially being lowered from a top 15% to a top 10%. And then having all these new additions from high finishes over the past two months or so, this list is starting to sound dramatically different than it did in the mid-90s. So... Killer Priest able to slide into our top 10% overall here, and that means, again, we have to say goodbye to another artist on this list. Last week, it was Sean Price of Helter Skelter. This week, it's Jizza. Jizza has been in this list since one of the first couple episodes in Season 2, so almost an entire decade in this list, even through it being shortened. So tremendous stuff there from Jizza, who was another one who far exceeded my expectations, and major shout out to Killer Priest for now taking over a spot here. And I gotta admit, man, I really slept on Killer Priest. A super impressive and abstract lyricist. If you're into different stuff, like if you're one of those guys that just, man, I love this. This is just so different, which I know my cousin Rob is gonna say that because I know he's like that. I highly recommend checking out the second half of Killer Priest catalog. I think you will immensely enjoy it. Now let's get into our top 10% lyrically so far. In our top spot, we have Eminem with a lyrical score of 9.5. In a five-way tie for second place behind Eminem, we have Pharaoh Manch, Black Thought of the Roots, Nas, AZ, and Vinny Paz of Jedi Mind Tricks, who all got lyrical scores of 8.5. Behind them in a tie for seventh place, we have Method Man and Jay-Z, both getting lyrical scores of 8. In a four-way tie for ninth place behind them, we have Master Ace, Jizza, Common, and Big L, all with lyrical scores of 7.5. And, and then in what is now a six-way tie for 13th place, we have KRS-One, Lord Finesse, Sean Price of Helter Skelter, Slug, Jadakiss of the Locks, and Killer Priest, all with lyrical scores of 7. So same thing here with this list sounding drastically different than it did even just a couple of weeks ago. So last week, this list was essentially almost cut in half as we had a 15-way tie for what was then our last spot. And now this week, we have another addition to the list here. So shout-outs to Killer Priest for finishing as a top lyricist so far. Now let's get into our particular decades list. We're going to start off with our top artists to make their debut in the 1980s. So your top five artists to come out in the 80s are KRS-One, Slick Rick, Rakim, Rev Run of Run DMC, and LL Cool J. As always, major shout out to the dogs that paved the way and outshined their peers during their heyday. So again, I'd like to give a major shout out to all five of these guys who will most likely be holding down those spots for the remainder of this podcast's existence. Now let's move on to our 90s decade. So your top five artists to come out in the 90s so far are number one, Eminem, number two, Jay-Z, number three, Vinnie Paz of Jedi Mind Tricks, number four, AZ, and number five, Big L. So again, Changes to our top 10% overall and our top 10% lyrical list, but no changes to our decades list, and that makes two weeks in a row here now that we've not only had an artist crack the prior two lists, but then not crack this one, 
Although I guess I told you guys 1998 was an absolutely incredible freshman class, so I don't know how long we'll go without seeing any additions to this list, although it is incredibly hard to crack. But for now, let's move on to our top regional lists, and there are no changes to this list today either. So we're going to start in our East Coast. Your top artist to come out of the East Coast thus far is Jay-Z from Brooklyn, New York. Behind him, we got Vinny Paz of Jedi Mind Tricks from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And in our third and final spot, Big L from Harlem, New York. Moving across to our West Coast, your top artist to come out of the West thus far is Tupac from Marin County, California. In second place, Razkaz from Carson, California. And in our third and final spot, Ice Cube of NWA from Los Angeles, California. Moving down south, your top three artists to come out of the south thus far are Lil Wayne from New Orleans, Louisiana, Andre 3000 of Outkast from Atlanta, Georgia, and Big Boy also of Outkast and also from Atlanta, Georgia. Moving over to our Midwest, your top three artists to come out of the Midwest thus far are Eminem from Detroit, Michigan, Proof also from Detroit, Michigan, and in our final spot, Common from Chicago, Illinois. So we have one of our artists here today crack two eligible lists with some pretty impressive stuff both lyrically and overall. So huge shout outs to Killer Priest for his accomplishments. Shout outs to Capadonna for making the cut. And shout outs to anyone in any of these lists here today. If you'd like to see any of these lists in full, you can give the Facebook website a visit at www.facebook.com slash tale of the tapes podcast. You can also give the host website a visit at www.anchor.fm slash tale of the tapes. Both of those links are spelled completely normally. I would appreciate anybody that could hit that support button for me on the home website there on Anchor. Thank you very much for that. And that's going to do it for today's episode. Next week, we will be covering Hussein Fatal of the Outlaws and Big Pun. And again, I'm going to strongly suggest not missing this particular episode. Tale of the tapes. Peace. Tale of the tapes. Might as well.